You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Now, here's the owner, founder, and host of Women to Watch, Sue Rocco. Good evening, everyone, and thank you so much for joining me for another week of Women to Watch. It's always great to be back with all of you, and we have a great show for you this evening. Joining me in just a moment is Susan Packard, and Susan is a writer, teacher, and she is the co-founder of HGTV, so we're going to have a lot to talk about. Be sure to stay with us as we go into our breaks, if you're new to the show, to hear from our exclusive watch team of on-air contributors, bringing you up-to-the-minute information and news from their industries in health, finance, law, veterans affairs, technology, and the nonprofit sector. And don't forget to sign up for the podcast so that you never miss a sh- excuse me never miss a show and our newsletter as well and you can do so by visiting womentowatch.net that's women the number 2 watch.net net so now i am thrilled and honored to welcome to the show Susan Packard Susan welcome to women to watch thanks susan so glad to be here it's great to have you um i 
you know, in reading a little bit about your background, I, I was enjoying the description of your upbringing in Detroit and how, mm. um, you know, you're raised by um, or in, I should say, a family of six surrounded by your Italian grandparents, aunts, uncles and cousins all around you in one Detroit suburb. And I wanted- not only one. No, but not even yeah. one suburb, one street. Oh, one street. Okay, that's we, cool. We were all yeah. on the same street. <laughs> <laughs> Made it even crazier. Right. Well, I have this image of my big fat Greek wedding in my head. Yeah. Um, yeah. I w- tell me first, what's your fondest memory of those days? Well, I would say my fondest memory is my grandparents lived two doors down, and my grandmother was an amazing cook, as you can imagine. Um, first-generation Italian. She was didn't speak a whole lot of English, um, but she was an amazing cook. So I would just roll over there, and there would be fresh bread or fresh cookies or fresh pizza, um, and we would just sit for a while. And, um, you know, in, in our own ways, we could communicate. And uh, she loved, of course, that uh, I was – taking advantage of her, her great cooking and baking. Yeah. Did she speak Italian? Oh, yeah. She's first generation, <laughs> mostly Italian, very little English. But I would go over there and I'd say, how are you feeling today, Grandma? And she'd say, no, too bad day. And I knew that meant that she was having a good day. <laughs> well, how, you know, learning a second language is always a wonderful gift if you're able mm-hmm. to. So was that something you spent time doing? Can you speak oh, a little? Oh, I wish. Uh, I wish um, my grand my grandparents on my father's side and my father spoke fluent Italian, and on my mother's side it was fluent Greek. So neither of them spoke their native language together in the house. Um, so I didn't learn Greek or Italian other than a few swear words. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I won't do that to you. No, not on radio. Um, right. So tell me, listen, that's, you know, can be um, a wonderful upbringing, certainly having family around, um, but it mm-hmm. can be it can be difficult. You know, um, what would you say was was difficult about having that much family so close mm-hmm. by? Mm-hmm. Well, um, as we I had two older sisters and then I was the third girl and younger brother. But um, as the girls, all three of us got to our teenage years um, my older sisters would, you know, do things that teenagers do, like have kids over when they weren't supposed to. And um, that all looked great to me, except we had the family police, you know, just two doors <laughs> down or across the street. And so we got busted every time. And, you know, our parents knew if they went out, they knew what had happened. Um, so we couldn't really get away with anything, which kind of really frustrating as a teenager, but, you know, that was just the negative. There was a whole lot more positive. Yeah. Um, So I understand you you had a wonderful relationship with your dad, and you actually worked with him during your high school and college years. Yes. what, What is something that he said to you that you remember most to this day? Gosh, it's not so much what he said as what he did, because I watched him, and um, there was a, uh, I was his 
at that time we called them secretaries. I'm not even sure we have that word anymore in vernacular, but I was his secretary and I was right outside his office and he would um, have to manage a lot of um, high-strung clients and I could hear conversations between them and he was always so gentle and so... um, he would just had a very comforting way about him. And after a conversation like that, where I would have torn my hair out, he'd just walk out, walk into the office, say hello to everybody. How's everybody doing? He never um, took it out on us. And it was as if he just had the maturity to manage lots of um, high-strung personalities. That comes in, you know, that comes in very handy when you're running your own business. Am I Was he in advertising? Uh, sort of. He, he really, it was a small direct mail house. And so he would call on advertising agencies who were using direct mail. And he would then, if he got the account, we, at the place we worked, we would produce the pieces and put them in a, package and mail them out. Okay. And um, I understand, you know, do it, being there and witnessing kind of uh, business and just the ins and outs and, and observing your dad, is that where you spurred your first interest in um, doing something in the, in the creative field? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, yes. Um, I ended up, you know, when you're a freshman in college and you have no idea what you want to do, um, and then you get to be a sophomore and you still don't really know, and by the time you're junior, you have to declare your major. So I figured advertising was as good as anything. <laughs> and um, so I actually got a degree, both undergraduate and graduate degree, in with an advertising emphasis because of the work I'd done with him, but also because he would take me now and again on calls and you know i would see what it was like what the dynamic was like not so much advertising per se as marketing branding um understanding consumers and what drives them Um, that was what was of more interest to me and the agencies you know sort of played in that field too so great great yeah We're going to go into our first break. I'm talking with Susan Packard, the co-founder of HGTV. We will be right back. Now, the women to watch. Military Watch. Hi, this is Carol Eggert, Senior Vice President of Military Affairs at Comcast NBC Universal. Now, when I retired from the military, one of the first things I noticed was that while there was no lack of support for the military community, there was a lack of understanding. This civilian-military divide impacts everything from hiring and retaining veterans to understanding the cultural differences. And this lack of understanding also impacts our transitioning service members. Many will share that their lack of understanding of the private sector is one of the greatest barriers to a successful transition. Now, bridging this divide is about more than finding jobs for veterans. Successful transitions allow us to sustain the all-volunteer force by ensuring that Americans see examples of young people who choose to serve the nation and then bring the skills gained to the private sector and contribute to a thriving economy. 
Comcast NBC Universal has always held a deep reverence for the military community from the company's founding by World War II veteran Ralph Roberts to today's multifaceted engagement through connectivity service, military-focused entertainment and news programming, and unique experiences tailored for veterans. When I joined Comcast, our mission was to take the company from military-friendly to military-ready. And our first step was to reduce the civilian-military divide and look inward to create an environment where our military employees are understood and supported. This step brought us to an organization called PsychArmor. PsychArmor is a nonprofit that creates resources for individuals, companies, and other organizations to better engage with and support the military community. In partnership with PsychArmor, we created a series of training resources for Comcast employees. These online courses like 15 Things Every Veteran Wants You to Know help build connections between our military employees and their colleagues at the company. From understanding military terms to creating a veteran hire initiative, PsychArmor courses have contributed significantly to our efforts to create an empowering workplace for military employees. Whether you're an individual interested in learning more about the military community culture, or you're a business owner wanting to attract military talent, all of PsychArmor's courses are available online at no cost. So you can learn more by visiting psycharmor.org. That's Papa Sierra, Yankee, Charlie, Hotel, Alpha, Romeo, Mike, Oscar, Romeo.org. I'm just doing my part to reduce the civilian-military divide. See you next week. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. For HealthWatch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Genetic testing, it studies your genes and DNA, the formula that makes each of us unique. Some want to learn about their ancestry, disease risk, cancer risk, or drug metabolism. But for all the good genetic testing can do, and in some circumstances, it can be life-saving, people need to be clear in their own minds why they want this information and what they'll do with a positive result. What are the risks? Speak to your doctor or a genetic specialist before you take a direct-to-consumer at-home test. Many of these tests are not comprehensive. They only look for the most common harmful variants and may miss genes relevant to your health. So you might be reassured you don't have a disease risk, but the test may not have checked for it. And what if you have a positive result, especially one you weren't looking for? The news can be upsetting, stressful, and in the end, you may not want to know if there's nothing you can do about it. And what does a positive result mean to the rest of your family? What policy does the genetic company have to protect your personal confidential information? Will it be sold to other industries or automatically shared with potential lost family members? Learn the privacy and selling policies of the genetic testing company to determine the safety of your data. Legislation called the GINA law, genetic, 
Information Non-Discrimination Act protects a person with a genetic mutation from discrimination with health insurance or employment, but it does not protect you from discrimination for life insurance, long-term care, or disability plans. So have these plans in place before genetic testing jeopardizes your financial future. So read the consent form and release form. Who has control over your information? Where does it go? Does the company offer genetic counseling for the results? Do your homework before giving the specimen, then make a decision that's right for you. To find a qualified board certified genetic specialist to help you think about why you want testing and interpret the results, visit nsgc.org, National Society of Genetics Counselors, nsgc.org. And Divas, be careful with all of your genes, not just the ones made of denim. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. Thanks for tuning in this evening. I am speaking with Susan Packard, and Susan is uh, spending a lot of her time these days writing and teaching and mentoring, and she's also the co-founder of HGTV. Uh, Susan, I wanted to ask you a question about um, your 20s, and I read uh, that you said you didn't have... um, you weren't open with your emotions or, or trusting people mm-hmm. in your 20s. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering if there was an experience, something that happened that kind of kept you guarded. Mm-hmm. Well, there were a couple of them that happened in my 20s. One was um, I was assaulted in a hotel room when I was traveling on business. And so that sort of shut me down. And then another thing that happened Uh, was that I was working side-by-side with a colleague, and we were trying to turn a business around, and I just didn't know that, you know, he had mental stability issues. And um, one morning I got a call that he uh, shot his wife and killed her, and then he took his own life. So, you know, before you're 30, having these two events happen um, can hugely impact how you deal with your emotions. And for me, the way I dealt with them was just shutting down, stuffing them down, um, and building a lot of defense mechanisms and not easily trusting. Well, that is, you know, very understandable. Those are two major, major events um, to experience at a young age. And I know that you know, you, you mentioned the word trust, and that was one of the impetuses mm-hmm. for your latest book, Fully Human, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's based on trust being the most powerful emotion when it comes to doing our best at work. Right. Um, would you say that when you reference that, is that trust based on trusting ourselves or trusting others or or both? Yeah, um, I I didn't really have um, too much uh, concern about trusting myself. I was a very responsible and accountable person. Um, but I did have a lot of struggle with trusting others. And, um, you know, it's true. I I went through my 20s and then my 30s, and then I became COO of HGTV at 39. Uh, about a year into the biz- building of the business, I was the second employee, and um, realized, you know, I had this group of guys, they were all guys, um, who were part of the startup team. And you just couldn't help but trust them. 
because they um, were so trustworthy. And um, trust is a two-way street. So, you know, you really do, it's a reciprocal emotion. And both ends, both, you know, have to play. Um, So I realized in the work I did at HGTV, you know, they helped me to lower my guardrails and that trust was the most powerful emotion. And yes, it propelled me uh, to write a lot of Fully Human about trust. It's one of the three sections of the book. So Susan, during your time as as Chief uh, Chief Operating Officer at HGTV, it became one of the fastest growing TV brands in history. And First, I was curious whether you miss at all kind of that pace and the excitement of those years. And what do you think it is about you that led to that level of success in launching a new TV brand? Well, um, and I was the one responsible for the growth. Um, That was one of my operating divisions. We called it a distribution. And I had, as I said, I was accountable. Um, I was, um, I could be trusted. And so with relationships with my clients I, that I'd had in former jobs, I brought those to HGTV. And, you know, it was greatly helpful. Um, we could cut through a lot very quickly, and especially when you're launching a whole new business from the ground up. And they did trust that I would deliver what I said I would deliver. And, um, and then, in addition to my delivering uh, sort of the business end of things, I had a fantastic group of colleagues who were pr- producing programming. And our programming was just fantastic. And our marketing and our branding and all of these other parts um, that we really over delivered as a startup. I mean, would you look at the look at it relative to other cable network startups? Um, we came almost fully evolved from a production and programming standpoint. So the viewer loved it, and of course, our clients uh, got paid by the viewer. Their cable fees came from the viewer, so it was all um, it all worked together beautifully. And that, you know, you, I, I would say that your creative side um, played a big part in that. And um, we're going to go into our second break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, what you miss from those years. It's, it's a lot different than what you're doing today. Stay with us as I talk to Susan Packer, the co-founder of HGTV. Stay tuned for our watch team. We'll be right back. This is Nicole Hitner at Ballard Spar Law Firm for Legal Watch. It's undeniable that there's no going back to business as usual. No matter how your company returns to full capacity and on-site activity, things will be different. That's why Ballard has launched the Business Better podcast. Listen in as we help businesses across the country as they navigate a global pandemic, economic uncertainty, and a renewed focus on the importance of racial justice and equality. Watch for women to play a big role in the positive changes happening and yet to come. It's clear the world will need more grit and ingenuity than ever before. We've already dropped the first two episodes, and there's plenty more coming. 
We're bringing you up close conversations with insight on everything from the evolution of commercial real estate services to rules for compliance with the CARES Act. Join me and learn how to navigate the new normal. Our podcast can be found on Apple Podcast, Google, Spotify, our Ballard Spar website, or wherever you get your podcasts. Check it out. This is Nicole Hittner at Ballard Spar for your legal watch. If you believe that family, charity, or money is deeply important for the greater good, Fortis Wealth invites you to a highly personalized financial discovery process to help you visualize your financial legacy. It's not for everyone, but if you're willing to invest the time and thought, they can offer advice and strategies to help you accomplish your dreams. Fortis Advisors is a wholly owned subsidiary of Fortis Wealth, an investment advisor registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Visit Fortis-Wealth.com today because tomorrow is waiting. Hi, this is Terry McDermott. And this is Maggie Carrado. We're from Fortis Wealth. Many high net worth families have their financial advisors create and implement financial plans. They also regularly review and stress test those plans to make sure they are consistent with the family's needs and wants. Even if you don't consider yourself wealthy, there are reasons why you should engage in the same practice. Stress testing is when you ask, what if? regarding areas of your financial plan. For example, what if I retire at age 62 instead of 65? What if my spouse dies prematurely or one of us is not able to work for an extended period? What will actually happen to my assets when I pass on? Start with determining your goals. Then evaluate specific existing or proposed financial strategies or products by first modifying the assumptions to determine how the solutions will work when a given scenario changes. Second, evaluating whether the solution will not only work but is consistent with your goals. For example, you want to both avoid debt and save for retirement. Maxing out your 401k contributions may be a good saving strategy, but does it affect your cash flow and cause you to use credit cards more frequently? Business owners often focus on reducing income taxes, but reporting less income can affect your ability to contribute to a retirement plan or secure adequate disability insurance. Third, don't forget to assess the cost of the solution. High fees and expenses can affect the long-term value of products and services. The end result may be one of several different recommendations, such as staying the course, choosing different solutions, or choosing a different advisor. Stress tests can benefit many people, especially business owners and their families, who usually rely on that one asset, their business, to provide current and future financial security. Make stress testing your plan a goal for 2019. The time and money spent can be cheaper than the financial, emotional, and psychological cost of a plan that is flawed or in conflict with your goals. Continue to stress test periodically as your goals and situation will probably change over time. This is Terry. And this is Maggie. Peace out. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back. I'm speaking with Susan Packard this evening, uh, again, the co-founder of HGTV, and she's also authored two books um, and doing a lot of teaching and mentoring these days. Uh, you know, Susan, you've been very, very open about your own personal growth and discovery of, of who you truly are. And I was curious as to what led to that turning point for you of exploration and, and the desire to know. Um, I was working at HGTV, and as I started to realize the power of trust, um, and I, as I said earlier, let down my guardrails a little bit, um, I kind of took stock of where I was as a leader. And, you know, I, 
I don't know if today 39 as a COO is considered young, medium, or whatever, but it felt young, and I felt like I had a lot of inner growth that I, I had ahead of me. And about that same time, I got a book uh, that a friend just sent me out of the blue called The Heart Aroused by David White. Um, I, I got a coach, and... You know, I, I just put some of these things together to start being more comfortable talking to my coach about things that were that were troubling. Um, I started opening up a little bit more about the events in my twenties, and um, and also just I knew to be an authentic leader, I needed to stop pushing everything down and and really understand the inner workings of me so that I could um, provide authentic leadership. So today, when, when I saw you, um, I was talking about the difference between, to, the, to a group of CEOs, I was talking about the difference between transactional leadership and transformative leadership. And one is technical, if you will, in nature. And the other one is the inner work you do um, to have a moral compass, um, to have some spiritual depth, you know, the work of the heart that you do, all of that makes you a fully formed leader. And that's what that second book I wrote is about. But, yeah, it was, it was a book, it was a coach, and it was a time. It was like the time was right mm. because I felt like I could let my guard down a little bit. Yeah. I, you know, would you say, looking back, um, the work that you're doing today, you feel more content? Is it a different Absolutely. experience? Yeah. I mean, after, you know, we talk often on the show about how important um, self-awareness is. Mm -hmm. And, and if, mm -hmm. you're, if you're not in tune to, to who you are, um, you're holding yourself back. Right. And um, back to that group that I spoke to um, in March when I saw you, um, I talk about and I talk to every group that I speak to or individuals uh, that I mentor about living an examined life, which is a Socrates, a page from Socrates. But it's basically having better self-knowledge so that you can be a more effective leader. And, and so I went on to say, and this is hard to do by yourself, Susan, I think. I, I think it really helps if you have a colleague, um, you know, a coach. Um, I told all these CEOs, I said, I really think you all need therapists. And um, <laughs> there was this moment, you know, where they all looked at me like, pardon me? Um, and I <laughs> How dare you? Yeah, no, I, yeah I, I realize I'm, that's a little tongue-in-cheek, but not entirely. Yeah. Right. You know, having someone that you can um, work with to better mine um, what, you know, how you work and what your potential is. I mean, this is part of it is, you know, here I am today. What can I grow to become? Mm. And that, I think that great leaders ask those questions. Well, when you're working with people today, and it's, by the way, it's both men and women, um, mm -hmm. you, you're really kind of... Um, delving into the world of psychology a bit, right? You're encouraging people to look at themselves. And I think that often people are not open to doing that. It can be scary. So what are, what are some of the questions you ask uh, to get them to open up? And I'm curious as well, if you have more success with women um, in their ability to want to explore. 
Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I come completely um, acknowledging I have no psychology background. So if somebody wants a clinical psychologist, that is a very, um, you know, powerful set of skills I don't have. What I have is a business background and a leadership background and somebody who evolved into, um, I feel, you know, a fully formed leader. And so that is what, you know, I, I bring. And so I don't try to do too much of that mining myself as much as I provide some guideposts. And, you know, again, in the book, I've got some of those too, but um, even meditation as, and mindfulness as processes to help you um, lead, better lead are very powerful. And, you know, I teach those. And, um, and so it's not so much I have this list of questions as it is um, I have tools that I offer to help people better understand themselves. Mm. And, you know, the world is completely different today than it was when you and I first met, um, which mm-hmm. is really interesting. We did. We came together in March. And mm-hmm. um, would you say those tools are what you use yourself for handling the fear around all of the changes that are happening right now in the world due to the pan- pandemic? Yeah, Absolutely. And I would also say um, I did a series of workshops this summer on Zoom, and the response to them, I mean, the first one, I worked with a partner who had a Zoom package of 300 people, and we had to cut it off because there was such interest in knowing more about mindfulness and meditation. Mm. It is. It's very, very uh, popular today. We're going to go into our last break. I'm speaking with Susan Packard. Stay with us for our watch team segments. We'll be right back. Now, the women to watch. Tech Watch. Hi, I'm Mary Manson from Pathways Consulting Group. As a business owner, I'm speaking with many organizations and observing many behaviors as we go through this incredibly difficult time and shift in the way we get work done. And it's easy to see that many of them are struggling while others are not. If you're a technology leader, then you know now more than ever it's important to keep your teams engaged and empowered. Technology is changing at lightning speed, so having a culture that leaves your teams feeling motivated, energetic, and happy is critical to your business and your customers, as well as the health of your employees. When employees are under pressure and morale is low, behavior of your teams can be reflected in the work they produce, and the impact can be felt on projects, as well as innovation and creativity, which can hit a brick wall. If your organization is struggling, it's not too late to act and evaluate the health of your teams and determine if the culture you have is strong enough to take you through this time. At Pathways, we realized a long time ago that in order to grow and scale successfully, the culture that we instill across our organization would be critical. So with the help of Chris Chula and Anna Lynchnowski of We Culture and our culture warrior, Ashley Geit, we've created an official culture program. You see, It's not enough for you to profess you have great culture. You need everyone in your organization to be held accountable and understand what it means to be culturally sound. Pathways has two core values, be collaborative and be exceptional. And under each of those are tenets or explanations that we all live and work by. 
Everyone on the team is held accountable to these values. Because we have these values documented and our teams are on the same page, it makes it a whole lot easier during this time to know when someone is struggling and make sure that they're okay. We're incorporating new methods to keep our teams motivated, and I'm pleased to say it's working. If anything, as a team, we're stronger. If you'd like some advice on what you can do to build a better culture, please reach out to me at mary at pathwayscg.com. Introducing Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They execute. Go to PathwaysCG.com. That's PathwaysCG.com. Hi, Sue Rocco here, host of Women to Watch. Are you a fan of the show? If so, be sure to sign up for our podcast at womentowatch.net so you never miss a show and can listen on your own time. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. Now more of Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Susan, we talked a little bit about your book, Fully Human. I want to mention your first book as well, Mm -hmm. uh, New Rules of the Game. Um, and, And really it's, it's, you laying out the strategies that you learned to thrive in a male-dominated industry. Um, talk, talk to the listeners a little bit about that book and, and perhaps what, mm-hmm. what the number one, if you could only give one rule, what would that be? Um, and how did you manage to do that yourself? Right. So, um, and this is the transactional work, if you will, right? So these are the technical skills. Um, How do you, you know, things like finance and communication skills and negotiating skills. For me, negotiation was um, probably the number one asset that I brought to companies. And, um, you know, I say to women especially today, because we do a terrible job of negotiating for ourselves, um, I say that when you're starting a new job, that is a moment in time for you to negotiate for yourself. Um, Because once you're in, it's really hard, unless you get a bunch of promotions, you know, you're sort of stuck in that 3% or, you know, whatever the the average range is. And, um, And so just negotiate for yourself. It's hard, you know, it it can be, I brought a lot of data whenever I negotiated for myself, Um, but you can do that. And so I would say probably negotiating um, for me was, you know, being across the table from others and treating them with respect, you know, with civility, uh, with humanity, and you get that in return when you do that. So the, the ins and outs of, you know, should what's the floor and what should how high can we go and all of those things, to me that's sort of the secondary stuff. You have that. You're equipped with that. But then it's how do we, what's the rhythm of our communication through this negotiation so that it can be a healthy one? Yeah, I think that's great advice, Susan. I, I think um... – Asking for what you want 
is one of those things that I think sometimes women struggle with, and they'd be surprised mm-hmm. at how often they will get what they want if they if they make that ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the latest research I, I looked at said that over half of men will negotiate their their um, entry level, you know, when they go into companies. Over half will, will try to negotiate it, and 12% of women will. So you see the big discrepancy. You know, we can start out at a disadvantage. And, and really, all you're doing, all you need to do is to say, when they offer you a job, to say, could, could you share what the range of this job is, for example? You can, you can, offer, you can ask questions in a way that are not off-putting, but um, show that, you know, you're grounded and you have confidence and, um, you know, you're valuable. Are you seeing a difference um, in the younger generation of, of young women from our generation or the generation before as far as their confidence and ability to speak up and, and ask those questions? Yeah, um, well, but what still happens is when we need to, uh, you know, get on the off-ramp for a little bit, whether it's having kids or taking care of parents or whatever it is, because, you know, we end up being the primary caregivers 99% of the time. When that happens, um, that comes first. And so as a result, it's that balancing act. You know, that's when you want to be in a company that appreciates um, your value and has programs and practices in place where if, if you're off for even six weeks to have a child that, you know, you don't lose any ground, uh, let alone if you want to take a longer period of time. Um, so, yeah, but the other thing I wanted to mention, you asked earlier about men and women and how, you know, self-knowledge. I would say that younger generations of men um, are much more open to doing more self-knowledge work mm. um, than older generations of men. Yes, that's and that's good news. It um, sure is. Yeah. You're spending a lot of time um, writing and speaking and mentoring and meeting with people. Um, two questions, virtually. actually. Uh, virtually, yes, yes. <laughs> is there? Have you had any aha moments or anything that you've learned from the people that you're mentoring? Well... It's more that, um, you know, it's, it's sort of this, I think people are realizing, like those that I speak with are realizing the compromises that come with um, things that are bigger than they are. And, you know, we go through life feeling like we can conquer, we can, you know, navigate our workplaces and succeed and get promoted and then something happens that's so big that um you really are left powerless and that's what this virus has done and with that i think is that initial tug and pull of oh this can't be this can't be no 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 you know but then there's a period of settling in and recognizing when something is bigger than you, then you really need to band together with other like-minded people 
by Zoom, by phone calls, by, you know, I suggest even writing letters um, to friends, but dropping notes, cards, you know, you need to band together and so that you're reminded of how precious um, other people in your life are when you can't see them, when you can't touch them. And so I've seen a whole, and and I've gone through it myself, a whole um, range of, you know, this just can't be true to, okay, now that I know it is true, what do I do to make the most of it? Mm. We just have a minute left, Susan. I wanted to know if if there's something you're most proud of in your own personal growth journey. Um, I think I'm proudest of, uh, I've been open about being in recovery, and I've talked about it in front of large, including thousands of people, um, and um, I've gotten no uh, feelings of, it, 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 do, it doesn't do anything um, to diminish what the, the message that I'm trying to send, which mm-hmm. is basically just a message of uh, vulnerability is okay yes. and not being perfect is okay. Yeah. I think it's, it's very courageous of you, all that you're sharing so open, openly. It's, it's one of the hardest things for people. So um, I encourage you to keep doing it. And I'm so grateful thank that you, you took time to share your story, Susan. Well, thank you, Susan. You're successful in your own right. So oh, <laughs> here we go. Here we two, go. Two, yep. two Susans. Thank you so much. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Thank you so much to our watch team and sponsors for their support. And thanks for tuning in. Have a great and safe week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Krause at 267-261-3428. announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHD or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded.